Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. So have you ever wondered when marketing is actually more lying by omission? than being effective and telling you something you need to know. Why do I say this? Well, I'll tell you exactly why and apply it to uric acid and all. I've been spending the last couple of months reading lots of research papers. We're talking lots of research papers on uric acid. And you know the whole evolutionary thing that I've been going through, the phases one, two, and three. I do that because I need to have an understanding of what this situation actually is. The same with the keto group, you know, suddenly keto came on and everybody goes, what's the one thing I should take to change my life? No, there was a whole history of the ketogenic diet 100 years ago and then before that fasting, which made it a reasonable approach that people could incorporate into their lifestyle and probably get some pretty profound changes, namely drop the carbs and then secondarily the fats. So in terms of uric acid, the focus has been, it's like this drumbeat, and I have this one or two people that leave these remarks on my videos about, it's all about fructose, 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 that's all, it's all about fructose, that's all you need to know, it's all about fructose. Well, uh, fructose is a big player. And so anyway, after probably well over a hundred papers that I've read, and I go back and I check my own lab data, as, you, as you've seen, and maybe on the video of this particular uh, topic, I'll go into it. But what I find, and I'm really disappointed, and the reason I, I say it's omitting a lot of appropriate pieces of information, because it goes like this. If I tell you, I present a problem, if I present a problem to you and I go, you know, it is so terrible, so terrible, I'm not quite sure how you're going to get over it. But there is this one thing, there is this one thing that maybe it might be a chance that it could help you. And when I tell this story, I've omitted various other contributing, perhaps alternative solutions to make it seem like this one thing that maybe might work, but might have side effects. Maybe though, you know, you're so willing to try it because I've told you the story of how bad the situation is and then saying, and you have this situation and here, would you like some help? And so what I mean is the research around uric acid has been so focused on fructose, 
And whether it's, you know, in di- we're eating it, it's in our diet. So dietary fructose, that's eating fruits and that's eating sugar, sucrose, fructose and glucose. We've been through that, right? So that's in your diet and that has increased over the last 70 years. And that has been the driver of you creating purines, which gives you elevated uric acid. So now you have other things, then that's on the liver and the liver depletes the potassium, uh, phosphate, and that drives up the purines. Okay, so that's the fructose that you're eating does that. Now there's other things that you can eat that are not fructose that will convert into fructose and cause the same thing. So you have endogenous fructose, things that you ate that were not fructose, nor were they purines, that went down the polyol pathway that created fructose and created purines. So that's the story. And it's pretty convincing. And that story really started in the 1960s in a finished study saying, you know, I think fructose raises uric acid. So here we are 50 years later, and the story is getting, it's all over. Check YouTube, check Google. It's becoming this drumbeat of, yeah, yeah, it's fructose. It's endogenous fructose, and it's, and it's uh, dietary fructose. But the guy who's been telling the story who's actually done most of the research, which is really profound research, has a patent on the fructose, the thing that converts fructose into purines. It's fructose kinase. I've skipped a couple of steps because I don't want this to be a biochemistry. I want this to be about other things that can reduce your uric acid that you have not been told about. So I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying it's an incredible story, well-researched, the evolution that we've gone through in past videos. But guess what? In this particular particular st- telling, that fructose, dietary or endogenous, is so important. He didn't tell you that. Well, elevated omega six, linoleic acid, seed oils, if you will, that drives up purines. Oh, and he didn't tell you that omega three fatty acid deficiency is associated. These are. Re- lots of research, is deficiency is associated with elevated uric acid in all the other associated things like gout, like cardiovascular, like cerebral vascular, big chunks of, of research. And he didn't tell you that vitamin D deficiency is highly correlated with fatty liver as is omega-3 deficiency, as is omega-6 excess, as in antibiotic use, antibiotic use. Antibiotic use is associated with fatty liver, is associated with elevated uric acid. So we're not going to tell you those pieces that you can control, or maybe you can control some of your diet. We're just going to say it's fructose. Gosh, it's sugar. Our diet is so rich in sugar. Don't worry about changing your diet. Don't worry about eating less sugar. Take the medication. Take the drug. And it really comes from a drug mentality, a drug mentality that is expressed in its most cynical aspect, in its most cynical aspect that the processed food industry began really in the late 40s and the 50s, in the last 70 years when all the problems started, that they were in partnership with the pharmaceutical industry. In other words, they would make the problems and then the drug companies, pharmaceutical companies, are like, we got a drug for that. Like, we got an app for that. We got a drug for that. And they go back and forth. So it's not about personal responsibility or saying, gosh, why don't we make some changes in your diet? 
Now, alcohol was another one that clearly is one of those things that drives up the endogenous fructose, that drives up the endogenous purine production, and all the other problems that I've already named, the obesity, diabetes, the dementia, the Alzheimer's, the cardiovascular, you got it, it's all the, name th the same thing. These are other factors that are very addressable, but the problem is, these are the factors that fall onto either personal responsibility or us collectively saying processed foods is bad news and we need to change that industry. So instead of saying, hey, we need to change that industry and here's what the research says, we're saying, yeah, don't worry about that. We got a drug for you, maybe two. And this model comes off of back in the 60s when allopurinol was invented uh, in the mid 60s, uh, late 60s. And the guy who made it made a ton of money, he got his patent, and he got a Nobel Prize. That's a pretty sweet deal, all, all in all, wouldn't you say? Well, you know, now what they're saying, well, people who take allopurinol, yes, it does have its side effects of acute uh, kidney toxicity and acute liver toxicity, but they say that's rare, but it's well documented. Can't be that rare. And if you couple that with another drug called an ACE inhibitor, well, there you go we can help you step away from metabolic syndrome and fatty liver, but we give you other issues. So my cynicism here right up front is that the story is wonderful and the research is incentivized by the idea you have a patent and we make, it's actually a number of patents and I'll get into those details into the video that is coupled with this in the YouTube series. But the idea is personal responsibility is really there are other ways that we can address elevated uric acid. Yes, some of it's dietarily, but changing the things that we eat that create the endogenous aspect. That's part of our responsibility too. I've already named them. We can bring down and not use seed oils, check. We can increase the omega-3, the fish oils, check. Uh, increasing our omega-3, as I said, the fish oils. We can increase our vitamin Ds. These are things that are measurable. These are things that your doctor or you can request these particular levels. You can say, what is my vitamin D? What is my uric acid level? What is my omega-3? What is my omega-6-3 ratio? Huh, there you go. Let's try that one. What else did I say? Hard to test for antibiotics. That's a personal history and you will know that. And I had a whole gut issue uh, in my past. So these are things that can be addressed. And that's my point. It's a degree of personal responsibility. It's a, pers it's a degree of collective responsibility in terms of looking at the processed foods and all the nefarious, negative, bad, lethal aspects that they have in their, in their composition. Well, I forgot to mention that um, the seasons have changed in Eastern North Carolina and is now well into the fall, though today is actually a pretty warm day. It uh, isn't gonna be a cold week. We're talking below freezing temperatures, which is rare. But back to the topic, um, I'm a little bit disheartened. Really got deep into the biochemistry. I certainly understand how purines are made, what you can do to change it. But so much of our research, it's just, a, it's just the reality of today. So much of our research is driven, is incentivized by a drug manufacturing. That's where we get the information. It's not somebody who just goes, you know, I think I wanna look into something. So the critical things 
that have to do with purine, about lowering your purine, and what you have to do about it is you have to insert yourself into the equation. And what does that mean? It means you have to monitor it either by getting, going to the lab and finding out what is your uric acid level, and you need to do that on a regular basis. Or you need to get a meter, and I showed you what we use, and it will be at the end of this video as well. You need to get the meter. I love the, the 4S6 because it can measure ketones, uric acid, cholesterol, and glucose. And let me say, do not take vitamin C while you're measuring your, your um, glucose because it's going to give you a higher number than reality. So just don't do that. But anyways, you have to insert yourself. You have to bring yourself to the table about monitoring what you do and track it together with your diet. That's how you really get clean to understanding this. Perhaps you want to just go get this drug that's in the offing, this patent, one of the two enzymes that are going to be blocked and therefore you won't have any of those downstream problems but you'll have the upstream problems from blocking those things so when it comes to looking for solutions it is 99 percent in what goes through your mouth some of it is dietary right you're eating the dietary purines you're eating the dietary fructose primarily in the form of sucrose and of all the products that are out there, right? Sugar's in everything. That's what we're calling it. Sugar is in everything. Fruit really has very little to do with it, the actual fruit and the fructose and fructose. So that's minor, um, pretty much non-existent. And there's a great story behind that too, why that is. But you have to look at these things. I came to this, not for some sort of intellectual understanding of what was going on. It's like, how did I get gout or a pseudo gout it was still kind of vague in between it's because i had to learn about uric acid what cranks up uric acid what is the metabolism of uric acid which then obviously coupled with metabolic syndrome which coupled with uh, elevated glucose and so on so it does go together these are not isolated pieces of information there is a holism that goes together but primarily it comes back to good old-fashioned personal tracking, and the biggest culprits are certainly the endogenous fructose that is created by metabolizing alcohol, endogenous fructose that is taken in through sucrose, I guess that would be more dietary, that goes into increasing your glucose and, and taking in, if you ate a lot of starches and saying, no, I've decided not to have any fructose, I'm just going to have starches, which are glucose, right? That was the phase one, they just had starches and had alcohol. So you still can get there by having too much glucose. Too much glucose converts into fructose. Fructose, there you go again, depletes the liver of phosphates. Depleting phosphates drives up the uric acid, the uric acid, boom. So that's how you're creating it. But these other things are keeping you from being able to excrete it and get rid of it out of your body. So unless you want to have continued elevated uric acid, which means joint pain, arthritis primarily, we're talking gout, unless you want to have long-term elevated uric acid that leads to dementia, Alzheimer's, long-term uric acid that leads to cardiovascular problems, long-term uric acid that leads to obesity, diabetes, this is a pretty straightforward answer about what you need to do. I would definitely think about fish oil. I would definitely think about how much alcohol you're having and what kind of alcohol. Beer is the most offending. And we'll get into some of those details that I've hit in other videos as well. So my pitch here, my somewhat passion pitch, is by saying, you now have to say, the good thing is, I can take charge of this. 
It's not like this cloud of, I don't know what's happening. I, I just walk around and I feel awful. No, no, no. You now know. You can't deny knowing now. The question is, are you going to take action on what you know? I so hope you do. I so hope you do. More to come. Hi, this is Dr. Goldkamikin for a brief reminder of something I completely forget to do at the end of every episode. You've heard me talk long enough in many different episodes, but what I would love you to do, and many of you have already done this, I just want to reinforce this particular behavior, which is to send me your questions. Send me your questions and anything you have about keto. If there's something that I don't know, I will look it up. And if it's something that intrigues me, I will probably make an episode uh, a podcast about that particular topic. So what you need to do is to send me your questions at drgoldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. So that's D-R-G-O-L-D-K-A-M-P at K-E-T-O-N-A-T-U-R-O-P-A-T-H.com. Goldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. Feel free to join our Facebook group, which is also ketonaturopath.com. That's been growing lately. You also have to answer a questionnaire should you cho- choose to join. And I don't ask for your email. I ask that you follow our terms. I try to avoid uh, advertising and uh, the obvious interruptions of a, just a good Facebook group. So hope to see you at one place or other. Please send me your questions and uh, look forward to talking to you and getting to know you. Take care.